Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. This is Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. When I say this is, and I always say I'm Andrew Kahn. I botched it right from the start. Yeah, it threw me off. Because I'm excited to talk about your St. Louis Blues NHL Stanley Cup champion. First Ryan, time congratulations. Ever. It was, it was, I never thought that day would come, to be honest. And especially the year where they were in last place midway through the season. Uh, after all the years of having high expectations going into the year, into the playoffs, and, and disappointing fans and whatnot, they turn it around and, and have a magical run to uh, to the Stanley Cup championship. If I've asked you this before, I've forgotten the answer. Why are you a St. Louis Blues fan? My uncle played for them in the 80s, so when I was growing up, got to meet like McGinnis, Pronger, a lot of the big names, and got a lot of Blues Kind of jerseys and stuff growing up from like my uncle and whatnot. So I kind of just fell in love with them at an early age and got to grow up in, in Detroit when the Wings were winning all these cups and eliminating the Blues almost every year in the playoffs. So finally it's... So you have a legitimate reason. You're not yeah. like a bandwagon fan or right. someone who like watched the Blues and decided right. to become a fan. Right. So I mean, my phone on uh, Wednesday night was blowing up from people I haven't even talked to right. since like high school or whatnot. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they actually did it. So that, that's kind of the fun thing about liking uh, some, I guess, unpopular, not, or at least you're obviously outside right. of, of the state. So, you know, Missouri, so you're not really a, you know, you're not a local fan or whatever for them. Being a fan of a team like that is that people do associate you then with that team. I mean, it happens to me like with the Mets right. as well for a lot of people that I know outside of New York. I'm the only Met fan, you know, they know, as opposed to, like, Yankee fans are all over. So are there any people, other Met fans people, out there? People, there's a lot, but, you know, they're in New York. But, you know, I've obviously made a lot of friends here in Michigan, and they, uh, you know, they associate me with that. So, like, when they did make their run to the World Series, they didn't win at all, but made it there in 2015. I had a similar experience. I think that's a fun part it is. of it was, fandom. I reach, I, I message you, you know, I said congrats to you. I, I don't uh, remember I mean, if I responded or not. You did. I, you did. I, I, did, you did. Right. Yeah, you I had did. a lot of messages going in and out there. But, uh, yeah, it, was the, uh, it may or may not have been the only uh, 20 minutes of hockey, I, I, NHL hockey I watched all season. Oh, so you third, did you watched third period wow. of that game, all but right. I did, yeah, when they were just they were just piling on goals at the end there, and it was fun stuff. I, I thought if they were going to win, it would be, like, nail-biting until the end. It was really surprising where it's, like, it wasn't nerve-wracking until the clock hit zero. I kind of knew about five minutes left, like, this is actually going to happen. And then you and uh, Red Berenson met up at a local pub and poured some beers over each other's heads. Yes? <laughs> That's exactly what we happened, yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to things that people actually come to Wolverine Confidential Podcast for, uh, in theory, which would be Michigan Athletics. So the Michigan baseball team, we talked last. They were on their way to Omaha for the College World Series. They're still winning. And they <laughs> it's, it's are... Two and zero there. Two and zero. I mean, what a performance by Tommy Henry last night. I mean, just incredible. I mean, giving out three hits and striking out ten and a complete game shutout, pitching the team to a two and zero record in the World Series, and now they're they're one win away from going to the final. Right? As a some of the last four teams into the NCAA tournament, they now are three wins away from winning it all. Yeah, I mean, I watched the whole thing as well, and it was just, if you know, you like pitching, it was just a masterful performance. I mean, his his changeup, his breaking ball, it it was just, it was unhittable. And uh, even some of the pitches he missed, they were still, he still was tempting the the Florida State batters to swing, and they missed by maybe a couple inches or so. But, like, I mean, he only got to uh, two, three ball counts the entire game. Uh, It was, he only threw 100 pitches to throw a complete game shutout. Like, that's insane for yeah for, for a team that likes to play four hour nine inning games it was nice to 
change it up and and play closer to three hours there. So it was. I mean, the main earlier in the week when uh, when the team was in Ann Arbor talking to media, which mm-hmm. a huge turnout for uh, for media availability earlier in the week, and the main topic was was. Um, Tommy Henry's strong performance against UCLA to send the team to the College World Series. I mean, he was in the hospital uh, battling the flu and like could barely walk for um, a couple days before the World or for the Super Regional and mm-hmm. gets the ball in, in the deciding game three and allows two runs and in seven innings in the four to two win. But and this was a whole new level of dominance here in the past or on on uh, Monday night to to send the team. Um, so now they'll either face Florida State or Texas Tech on Friday, and they'll just need to beat them once. So Right, the two teams they yeah. already just beat now will are, are, are playing to avoid uh, elimination, and, and Michigan's just in a great spot. You win your first two games, you're right. just really in a and Again, it was kind of similar, similar to like the original round when like Oregon State was uh, was the host and the favorite to win win the bracket, and they lose their first two games. And same thing with with Arkansas; they're ranked they were ranked five in the number five in the country, and they lost uh, one to nothing to Florida State and lost five to four to Texas Tech. So they're eliminated. So I mean, it's just the path. I'm not taking away anything what Michigan baseball has done, but they've kind of uh, drawn a nice little path to, to may possibly make history now. Yeah, I mean, they're playing well. They're pitching well. And then, you know, dominoes are falling for them. So they're, like you said, they're in a really good spot. They're going to have time to, like, the pitching staff's going to have time to, like, rest up and get ready. And, yeah, I got to win. Carl, Carl Kaufman, who uh, was, was 77th overall pick, he's pitched really well in this uh, in this playoffs as well. And so they Backish will probably go with him, but he can also go with Jeff Criswell as well. Tommy Henry will be healthy if they move on uh, back to full strength. So, I mean, they're in a really good spot right now to, um, to move on. But, I mean, Texas Tech is a really good team. Florida State is fighting for uh, – they were also one of the final four teams in, but they want to win for their coach who announced he's retiring after the year. Um, he's been there for 40 years, made the tournament every year, but they're still searching for that first uh, College World Series title. So um, it's not going to be easy, but they're they're in a, in a pretty good spot. Right. So they will play. They will not play again until till Friday. Til Friday. Um, and then, yeah. They will you know, find yeah. out their opponent on Wednesday night. That's when Texas Tech and Florida State will play. There you go. And then, you know, as I think we've mentioned here before, you then advance to uh, everything sort of just resets and it's a, it's a best, best of three, of you know, between these two, uh, you know, the two bracket winners or whatever, which starts uh, the following Monday night, I believe. It's the 24th. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, we've talked about kind of touched on this last last podcast with the different, you know, the softball and, and the baseball uh, teams that, that have sort of won it all, in, um, you know, over the years. And it's just Michigan would certainly be an outlier champion. I mean, when you, I'm, I'm looking right here at the list of, of champions and the teams they beat, the runner-ups even. And it's all, uh, I mean, it's it's South, Southern teams, Western teams. Uh, and, you know, you got. There's been one Big Ten team to uh, make the College World Series since uh, mission lasted in 84 and that was Indiana in 2013. So this is unprecedented right now. It really is. Um, that's to make that that final eight you're saying. Yeah. Final yeah. Eight, final yeah. eight. Yeah, yeah exactly. The and if you actually look at Ohio the final state, series, I'm pretty sure Ohio state's the last turn, uh, big or national champion from the big 10. And that was in 1966, I believe. You're, you're right Way on it. Just get on top of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, yeah, since then it's just, uh, well, you got Southern Illinois a couple of years after that, uh, yeah, and then a few years later, but pretty much the last yeah twenty years, it's just it's the South and it's the West, and here's here's Michigan. Here's Michigan. Um, so yeah, absolutely. This has been a uh, 
um, an impressive run. Is there anything that stood out for you besides the starting pitching? I mean, that's been you, you, you highlighted how they had that big three and then they, they could ride three. that. And it's even like their biggest bats, Jordan Wogu and, and Jordan Brewer, um, haven't even done that much during this NCAA mm-hmm. tournament run. They've been getting production from from other hitters. I mean, Jesse Franklin hit a 412-foot home run in the first inning yesterday, which proved to be the game winner. Um, I mean, that was – when you get ahead early like Michigan has done, yeah, that that's exactly. quite a big thing. And I mean – but like really, I, you never felt like Henry was your, did in trouble at all. They were the only, Florida State only got two runners to second base all game, and the ninth inning he faced the number three, number four, number five batters and set them down pretty easily. Um, so it, it was just, he was just in complete control. But yeah, I mean, Mission's offense is probably going to need to do a little bit more, especially against Texas Tech, who who's got one of the top offenses in the country. Uh, they held him to three. Carl Kaufman and Jeff Criswell combined to hold him to three runs in the in the opener uh, on Saturday on the five to three win. Um, but it's I don't Texas like we mentioned before. Texas Tech swept Mission earlier in the year, like tw- and outscoring them twenty nine to ten in three games. So they do have the ability to um, to hit the ball out of the ballpark and score some runs. Like if you're a Mission fan right now, you hope that Florida State. Texas Tech game goes into extra innings. These, yeah, these teams have to throw a bunch of their pitchers and and get drained out a little bit because, um, yeah, it's with these days off in between games, teams are able to recover a little bit quicker than like in the regional round and super regional round. Absolutely, but yeah, I mean they've they've struck first in most of these games and um, you know, some of those UCLA games they're scoring early and often. And in this so far in the World Series, it's more just just early, but um, you know, and then holding on to leads. Which, with the good pitching. So. Kind, of, kind of interesting note I saw on, on Henry yesterday. I mean, his first seven starts of the year, he had an ERA of 0.76. Mm-hmm. So he got off to a really good start, but then his next, in his next seven, it was 7.41. So it, it supposedly he was battling a little bit of a biceps tendonitis, uh, Coach Eric Backridge said uh, last night, but he's looking pretty healthy now. I mean, he's 2 and 0 with a 1.93 ERA and 23 in the third innings in the NCAA tournament. So can't ask for much more than that. Um, all right. Well, that's the baseball team. Uh, basketball news will be the NBA draft is this week, Thursday night, um, at, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where it's been the last few years. Uh, and Michigan has, you know, three players that, that declared for the draft. And we'll see. The last couple stories that you, you could find there on mlive.com slash Wolverines uh, about the basketball team were, would be about the draft and, and this very issue. Um so yeah, you've got you've got Charles Matthews who who tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago. Um, do you which, think that keeps him out? I mean, do you think yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to hurt. Uh, I would have said I don't know if I've said it before on this podcast, but um, you know, the, the stories I write, I try to you know bring in expert opinions and things like that. My, my personal opinion would be that I thought all three of them would get drafted. I now think two will, uh, and that Matthews will not. Um, but it wouldn't be unprecedented. I mean, you've got you've got the very top of the draft guys, uh, you know, where the Sixers, of course, famously, um, you know, took Nerlens Noel and, uh, and Joel Embiid, I mean, consecutive drafts. Um, I guess the, I guess they only drafted technically one of those. One, one was a trade. But either way, they ended up with two guys on draft night um, with, with serious injuries. Um, and then, but you know, even later in the in the second round, you saw that the Pacers uh, were, were a team that ended up with two. Uh, I think it was the same draft. They had uh, Edmund Sumner um, from Xavier, uh, and another player whose name um, uh, is escaping me right now, but it's in it's in a story today. Um, you know, who both had knee injuries, um, and they they took them. So, 
you know, it's not out of the question, but this this did happen, you know, very close to to the draft, so which which pushes back the recovery time and all that. It's not like his his senior season was cut short or something, or you know, his, his college basketball season was cut short. Um, so that doesn't help. Um, and you know, for a guy like that, it's like, oh, you know, maybe teams would prefer to see you know what he's like when he comes back. Uh, you know, he was an, he was athletic. He was he was a very good defender. Lateral movement, everything like that, was strong. Um, you know, good jumper, things like that. Uh, you know, they probably want to maybe be, be certain that he still he still has can bring those things. Um, but but again, it wouldn't be out of the, the question uh, for him to get drafted. Charles Matthews, that is, but Jordan Poole and, and Ignace Brazdakis, uh, I think we'll both will both be um, you know in the second round. Uh, if you had to put a number draft slot on both of them, mm-hmm. I mean, would you feel comfortable putting a, a number next to each other? Sure. Um, I actually think I think Iggy will go first. Uh, uh, I, I see him maybe at like 35 to 40. So early second round. Yeah, I, th- I see him a little earlier than maybe maybe some of these projections are, are having him. And then I, I see Poole, you know, a little after that, you know, 40 in the 40 to 50 range. Um, again, we discussed this, and it, certainly they could go undrafted. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the upside, they're, they're on the younger side. Uh, certainly Poole, Poole will turn 20 the day before the draft. Uh, he's already there as a freshman, but um, still, uh, I think I think there's room for improvement for them, and um, there's upside there. Is that'll be a buzzword on, on Thursday night for sure. Um, you know, and they're both offensively uh, gifted players. I think you know that helps too for teams just looking to maybe you know catch a little lightning in the bottle late in the second round with with a scorer, a shooter. Um, you know, both those guys uh, can bring that. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice if the system were such where they could see where they were going to be drafted and kind of figure it all out. But uh, that's that's not how the system is is set up. Um, and then you know, recruiting is sort of underway here. The summer schedule it, it's it doesn't change every year in the NCAA, but there there have been you know changes for this year as far as you know the type of camps that you can have and the calendar itself. Um, so it's not just a continuous evaluation period that that began last weekend. Uh, there were there was a particular tournament or event, uh, the MB Pl- National Basketball Players Association Top 100 Camp Invite Only Camp, um, and took place in Virginia. But then then it became it went to a, a quiet period, uh, and then although there's a few more days coming up this weekend, and if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there's basically 18 evaluation days over over the course of you know from from mid June to the end of July um, that uh, you can expect Juwan Howard and his staff to to be attending um, and, you know, looking at, look at starting to look at targets for uh, 2020 and 2021. Um, yeah. For the future of, of Michigan basketball, still no updates on any more potentially scheduled games for next season or uh, the roster itself. But uh, you know, Phil Martelli, he certainly hasn't been, been shy and doing some, you know, radio uh, in, in back in his you know home city of Philly. And he's uh, you know, he has, he has said that they are still looking to pursue a grad transfer um, to fill out this roster. I just can't see anyone noteworthy leaving at this at this point, and or them getting anyone that's. I mean, I guess you never it's know. Late in the game, like, yeah. It just seems really. But late. There are names still in the portal, right? There's, there's there still available players, right? And you know, if you're looking about, if you're thinking of it like this, you know, they would just, from their perspective, uh, they would just want a guy who they think could be you know, maybe better than 
say, you know, one of the rising sophomores, one of the guys who, you know, didn't play last year and they just might think he's still a year away from being a contributor. If they can snag a fifth year guy who they think can maybe give him, you know, 10 minutes a game off the bench, uh, you know, particularly maybe knock down some shots, you know, there there could be a player like that available, but uh, I don't disagree. I also don't think, uh, you know, especially new coach coming in that you want to necessarily just start grabbing whoever. I mean, you want to do your due diligence on these guys. Uh, you know, Michigan Michigan brought in one a couple of years ago, uh, Jerron Simmons. And uh, although it maybe didn't work out as well as either party would have liked on the court as far as his success, um, you know, you talk to anybody on that Michigan team and, and he was just a great teammate. And, and that does count for something. You don't want to just start bringing in guys and kind of messing with your, right. your culture that you're especially if you're, when you're trying to, uh, um, you know, establish one uh, yourself as a first time head coach. Um, so, yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to monitor. But uh, otherwise, it'll be somewhat uh, quiet times on the Michigan basketball front. We expect some offers to go out or for future players. But, uh, um, yeah, we certainly will be watching the, the draft on Thursday. And you can expect, you know, coverage one way or the other if these guys don't get taken. But uh, but especially if they if they do with some, you know, reaction of, you know, where they where they ended up. As far as you asked me where they might go, and I gave you the, the pick range. Uh, as far as teams, it's just really, yeah, it's, it's really hard to assess that for the outside of the lottery, really. Cause, cause once you get outside of that, you're not really necessarily looking for, uh, you know, a particular, it, it's just kind of like, Hey, who's the best, best, best player available that, you know, we have on our board or whatever. So that trying to crack that is, is, is a little more difficult outside of the, the top picks. But, um, but, uh, yeah. That's Michigan basketball. Any football news since since we last spoke? Not a ton. A uh, couple things. We did mention Oliver Martin last week uh, that he hit the transfer portal. He's mm-hmm. going to Iowa. That is confirmed. Uh, he was introduced to the Hawkeyes football team last week in Iowa City. Uh, Martin is from Iowa, yep. Coralville, Iowa. So this makes sense. He's essentially going home. Um, you know, at this point, it looks like he's going to sit out next year. NCAA transfer rules at this point say he must. Um, I, I presume maybe they'll try and file a waiver for of some sort. I believe someone reported that at some point. Uh, but I, I'd be surprised if he sees the field next year. Uh, Michigan does host Iowa. Uh, homecoming game, I believe, October 5th. Um, but, yeah, Oliver Martin, as at this point, is he's at Iowa. He'll have two years of eligibility left, assuming he sits out this fall. Um, and then one other note. Uh, Let me ask you something about Oliver Martin real quick. I mean, this kind of in the past would have been uh, maybe not possible or it would, have, it would have gone to a kind of the court of public opinion because it's an intra-conference yeah, transfer. It could have been blocked or correct. whatever. The, the change in the, the transfer rules last year basically – did away with that stuff mm-hmm. because before coaches, you know, they would have these limitations on players of where they could and could not transfer to. Often cases you would not be able to transfer, like from, from Michigan's perspective, mm-hmm. I can remember uh, when Walton Spate decided to, to transfer and I got a, I think uh, he either tweeted it out or someone got a copy of the, the verbiage, but uh, Walton Spate basically said he couldn't go to any other Big Ten school and he couldn't go to any other uh, school that was on Michigan's schedule for that next season. <laughs> right, so the, right. the Michigan coaching staff was clearly worried about you know a, per, a potential you know adva- disadvantage or him having a you know a, an advantage going right, going right, up against sure. Michigan. Uh, so he ended up obviously going to UCLA. Now that's not the case. Michigan's now had several guys, even on last year's team, that are en- ending up in the Big Ten. You know Drew Singleton going to Rutgers. I'm, a guy who I'm just about to bring up, Ron Johnson, defensive lineman. He has now trans 
Western to Rutgers. You have Benjamin St. Juice, who's going to Minnesota. Uh, Oliver Martin at Iowa. All three of those teams, Big Ten teams I just mentioned, are on mm-hmm. Michigan's schedule next year. Mm-hmm. Now, whether these guys will be I don't think that's going to play that big of a difference. And Probably, a huge yeah. Rutgers no. upset over Michigan. No, but in the past. Possibly not. But, but, and yeah. I think that's part of it. Is right. that, like, it should have maybe never been. I Agreed. Agree. Even but in the, the past, stars, they're obviously, the coaches were obviously worried about that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So now there's nothing they can do to block that. Uh, whether or not they have an advantage, you know, remains to be seen. Who knows? You know, a lot of these guys either argue they're going to have to sit out or some of them are, are grad transfers, uh, so may not make a big difference. So I don't know. But uh, that, that was the other note I was going to bring up. Bron Johnson's going to Rutgers, so he's mm-hmm. staying within the conference as well. Um, it's interesting times now with the Big Ten. You know, like you mentioned, that before this probably wouldn't happen. Uh, now you got guys kind of, you know, bouncing around schools and, and different t- different programs in, in the same conference. Uh, so yeah, Mott Martin is is gone now. We presumed he was going to be. Um, he is, I think there are eight, seven or eight. I'm losing track at this point of Michigan football players that were in the portal. All of them have found destinations except one, Brandon Peters. Uh, he too has reportedly taken a visit to another Big Ten school, Illinois. So there's potential along with uh, Miami, Ohio, and Bowling Green. So there's opportunity there where Peters could, in theory, stay within the Big Ten as well. He has not decided yet, as far as as far as we know. Um, he's not granted any public interviews. Um, just going off reports at this point. But again, yeah, Brandon Peters could stay in the conference as well. And keep in mind, Illinois is on Michigan's schedule next year as well. Brandon Peters is a grad transfer. Now that would be an interesting case because Brandon Peters is graduated. He could play if he transfers. He'll be eligible to play next year. So say he does, you know, just throwing this out here, he does decide to go to Illinois. Ends up being the starting quarterback against Michigan. That would be interesting. Yeah, and a quarterback note probably is a little more privy to uh, yeah. schematic things and play calling that maybe other positions would be a little more focused on just their own thing. Now, granted, he, tra- <laughs> he transferred when he transferred. You know, Michigan has a new offensive Correct. coordinator. I think it'd be maybe unclear how much of, of the new system he even you know was privy to. And yeah. you know, when it was clear during the spring that he wasn't involved in a ton. I know there, there, we only saw two open practices, but in both instances he was kind of isolated doing his own thing. He wasn't really working with the quarterback. So it was clear then that, you know, he was kind of separated from the group. So maybe Michigan prepared themselves for this case, a possible scenario. I don't know how much he practiced. We haven't spoken to him now in over a year. Uh, you know, the coaches won't talk about it, but I don't know. That'll be, that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow here in the next few weeks. Like I said, he has taken at least three visits reportedly. Uh, he's eligible to play in the fall, so he's going to have to make a decision here relatively, relatively soon and if he wants to play. Now, now the ambulance that went by now at this point, probably a minute ago or whatever, but when I used to co-host a, a different podcast back in the day, uh, this would happen often as it was uh, one of the, the my co-hosts was in New York City. So this was, this was always happening. And uh, <laughs> all hours of the day when man. we spoke on the phone and uh, anytime that happened, it would be uh, one of the hosts would have to immediately give a hot take. Uh, you know, the, it was a fire alarm, you know, oh, yeah. a oh, fire yeah. truck going by, give a hot take. So I would say something like Brandon Peters will go to Illinois. He will beat Michigan and be the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Something Ooh. like that. A Ooh. real hot take. That something like that. But, Do you even um, consider that a hot take or just a stupid take? <laughs> yeah, that's what, well, that's what it evolved into or devolved uh, into, yeah. I should say, was just saying ridiculous things yeah. that, that float off of what we were just talking about in the moment. But, um, hot take. I'm going to play in the NHL next year. How about that? Okay, we'll see. It's the same thing. Well, no, but all right, whatever, whatever. I could see. I mean, I could see Peters going to Illinois, project possibly starting. See, some truth yeah, now becoming a Big Ten player of the year. We'll, we'll yeah. see about that. And you're a fine player, I'm sure. But come on, 
Anyway, uh, that's it. Football related uh, coaches are still doing the camp circuit at this point. Uh, that's kind of interesting. I like guess side note: this mm-hmm. year, the satellite camp thing hasn't been as big of a deal as it was a couple of years ago when it was the, all the rage of college football. And you know, Jim Harbaugh kind of started doing that thing. He's still going to camps. He was at William and Mary, I think, last week. Uh, he's been around other schools as well. They were in New York City, I think, uh, last weekend, a couple weekends ago. Yeah. Um, so he, they're still traveling the country. I see the the coaches are tweeting nonstop. Josh Gaddis, Don Brown, they're all over the place. Chris Crosston between recruiting and going to these camps and evaluating and whatnot. So they're still working. Um, the, the quiet period, I think, is mid-July, so it's coming up here where coaches will take vacations and kind of um, reset before uh, fall camp gets underway uh, a, little over, a little over a month now. All right. I mentioned the St. Louis Blues. I guess I can also mention I saw the New York Mets play in person this past weekend, beat the St. Louis Cardinals. The only game they won in the four-game series I was there for, so I was happy to see that. That. I have no attachment to the Cardinals, so all I'm right, quite right. all right with yes, that. Go no. Mets, baby. Sure. <laughs> all right. Well, that concludes this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. This station is Bank. Change here for the Central, Waterloo and City lines. Please mind the gap when exiting the train. And please, 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 be careful on the platform. The Nobody Zone. The truth and legend of an Irish underground killer. A new six-part true crime podcast from RTE and Third Ear. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the US and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.